high school each Sunday night. I'd watch the practice with none of my friends. I'd turn the dial to ABC to see the creep of the week that Bobby Donald defends. But I'm out of practice. This made its beginning to snow. Oh, shit. Cast going through David E. Kelly's award-winning practice. The practice. <laughs> oh shit. We are in for it today, folks. Buckle oh, up. N- oh no. You know, I this is your fault. Because you wanted to record this at eleven fifteen in the morning. Now, of course, it's not eleven fifteen in the morning. <laughs> but you planned it that way. So I have been prepared. Since 11.15 this morning, and I'm about two hours too early for my brain to function. But it's a big, important episode. This is episode 50 of Out of Practice. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. It's, we're, we're coming in on the year, I think, February 12th-ish is, a, I think, the first episode. So we're we're a few episodes out from that. The big five zero. they said it wouldn't last. They were partially right. But here we are. No, they said it wouldn't improve. <laughs> oh, man, I almost coughed all over my whole keyboard there. And boy, were they right. We have not improved at our, all. Our, our setup's improved slightly. We've improved in quality, at least technically. Yeah, in fact, uh, today I finished remastering our entire catalog. So uh, now when you're listening, you'll be able to hear us. You'll probably, it'll be too loud, but you can turn it down. I know. Sometimes I look back, you know, I, I think it, it makes most sense that the pilot episode is the most listened to episode because people try it out and then decide this isn't for me. Um, oh, it's definitely the worst episode too. Oh, absolutely. But it's it's funny to know that now at least they'll be able to hear it. They will be able to hear our sloppy incompetence and think, wow, this is bad. Let me check later and see if they get better. And boy, will they be disappointed. But we appreciate our audience. And so for this 50th episode, we are going ad-free, Keith. We are passing up the monetary value of this episode to go ad-free. But that doesn't mean you don't don't have to support us. You can still support us by heading to our, our PayPal link, Keith. Did you know that we had one? No, not at all www.paypal.me slash O-O-P-P-S-Y. That's oopsie. Paypal.me slash oopsie. Throw us a dollar, two dollars. Or you know what? If it if it in any way financially impacts you negatively, don't don't just take it for free and enjoy it. <laughs> like that we was- do as we watch the practice on my brother's Hulu. 
Hey, well, I, look, I pay for my own Hulu, folks. Pay for your own Hulu and streaming services. Don't get us sued. Be sure to watch The Practice on Hulu or Amazon <laughs> Prime. <laughs> All right. Well, what 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 do we have to do this morning? It's going to well, snow here in New York, so let's get is. this going. It do well. We have some. Uh, we've got some pretty exciting stuff coming up in filings and subpoenas. Filings and subpoenas. Filings and subpoenas. Filings and subpoenas. We have heard from somebody very important. Okay, who? Uh I believe I don't need to say her name because she, she, she. She like our Instagram post. We heard from Marla Sokoloff. Hey, the Instagram wall of fame. She goes Instagram up wall of fame. She joins Dylan. And uh, so she was commenting on the uh, the gif I put up of uh, Eleanor punching her or trying to, uh, which was wildly hilarious and a pretty good stunt. And she commented, oh, my God, I forgot about this. Which I totally understand, considering how many episodes of this show she did. And Lord knows what other chicanery is going to be happening on the series. So now but, we know to target more uh, target more posts towards Miss Sokolov, who seems or to be fewer, having... Yeah, or fewer. Because we don't want her listening to this. <laughs> That's a good point. She... Uh, her Instagram, as I we of course, I'm sure we both stalked it. Looks like she is still hard at work in front of the camera, behind the camera, has a wonderful family. So we thank uh, Miss Sokolov for for checking in and 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 engaging with us on the podcast. Listen, people, Keith and I thought we'd have zero reach, and the fact that anybody's listening at all or looking at the Instagram is both incredibly gratifying and twice as scary as that. It, no, absolutely, and every time somebody in the cast. Uh notices anything i frantically search back through everything i've ever said on the podcast all 50 episodes i'm like oh god our therapy bill is very high on this on this podcast (laughs) this podcast is our therapy bill that's there's a lot of truth to that yeah well fair enough well so we did that we also uh have somebody to join Mr. Foreman, the jury has reached its verdict. Madam Foreperson, has the jury reached a verdict? Welcome to the jury! What say you? We have a new jury member, and uh, this one made me chuckle a little bit. This is from our good friend, Cloud Lover 69 <laughs> <laughs> Oh, boy. Who writes, this is the best historical weather podcast. The host and protagonist, Mike. Hey, I'm the protagonist. uh, we're, We're off to a bad start, Cloud Lover. The host and protagonist, Mike, brings weekly weather updates despite the best efforts of the other guy i.e. me, Mike, our humble star, does the thankless but crucial work of informing the public about the latest weather trends from 20 years ago. The weather report is the highlight of my week. The other segments have also started to grow on me. Mike watches classic television shows with the trained eye of a veteran weather enthusiast, 
<laughs> pointing out the environmental effects like steam and fans that are used to create atmospheric effects. Mike's meteorological <laughs> insight and witty commentary have me coming back to listen every week, hoping for more weather segments in the future. Keef is all right. Ah, uh, spelled K-E-E-F. Oh, my lord. Wow. So... That is why we tell you to just write a review. It doesn't even have to be accurate, real, correct, good, bad, indifferent, anything, funny, trumps all. Oh, that was brilliant. I I, I mean, there is certainly uh, an, an initial, am I the bad guy on this show? Well, you know, it's I mix it usually. I try to make, you're usually a little bit louder. Which I and I pan myself slightly to the right so that it gives this the feeling that you are the protagonist. I'm second chair. I'm sort of the co-host. But you know, I think just my natural charisma and the fact that you come across as a just angry, uh, mean person, people have just <laughs> decided to you're Apollo to my Rocky or something like that. Because I'm the angry, sad nerd bully. Is that? Yeah, right. Is that, that who I am? Am I the nerd bully of this podcast? No, I don't know. But but we, Keith and I were talking off air. Whilst it's entirely possible that Cloud Lover sixty nine is a, a a dedicated new listener, starting from the beginning, because as you'll know, the the weather Keith won Thank out. God, I killed it. Yeah, Keith killed it. I so. finally choked out the weather segment. I think somewhere middle of season one, it sort of died out. Uh, because we had so much other stupid shit to talk about, <laughs> like football. Um. <laughs> exactly, exactly. The weather report from 20 years ago was stupid and irrelevant, but the sports report from yes. 20 years ago is a thousand percent relevant. Uh, but it, it also uh, it it also sort of sounds familiar in comedic tone, mm, which mm. brings so, Keith and I to our own. Keith, walk us through the evidence, um, what you and I as trained artists and you as a trained writer have have unearthed in the tone uh, and rhythm, rhythmic beats of the of the text of this email. Well, let me just start off at the beginning. Who could possibly not like me? Hmm. Other than somebody who I might have uh, flamed on the podcast on a weekly basis hmm. uh, for about 25 episodes, mm-hmm. who uh, is committed enough to the joke to create usernames for the pseudonym or not pseudonym that they're writing, who writes fully in character mm-hmm. and is fucking hilarious. I. Submit to the jury here that Cloud Lover 69 may or may not be related to our dear friend Tom Brady. Tom Brady drops off the face of the podcast and creates a pseudonym to further antagonize Keith. I think it's highly possible and likely. Yeah, so uh, there it is. Uh, Cloud Lover 69, I think you might be Super Bowl winning. Tom Brady. But if you're not, please send us an email at out of practice podcast at gmail.com and prove that you are truly the meteorologist lover 
that you claim to be. And I apologize to you, Cloud Lover, that as you've gotten into further episodes, I don't discuss the weather anymore, and I I don't know, maybe Thank we'll see. Thank God we've killed it forever, and it's dead, and we will not do that stupid segment ever again. Nothing gold can stay. Nothing gold can stay. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, everybody. Thanks, Marla, and thanks, Cloud Lover 69 for writing into us. Uh, if you would like to join us, like I said, you can email us at the Gmail. You can find us on uh, Instagram and Facebook at Out of Practice Podcast. You can also check out our blog at outofpracticepodcast.blogspot.com and see all of the silly graphics that I do every week all put together. All right. Well, it is time to hop into the time machine in the final year of the millennium back to... January 17th, 1999, on a Sunday night. And we would like to ask you, what were you doing? This day in the basement. Keith, I, I want to dissect something. You know, this around this time, I might be a month or, month or so off, but around this time my senior year, as the football season was coming to a close or has closed recently, they do a thing in a lot of high schools. They did it in my high school. I don't know if you. They did it at your school called powder the powder puff game. No. Okay. Do you know what that is? Not at all. It so it's a gender flipping evening where on the Friday night or the, uh, excuse this game happened on a Sunday, which is why I'm putting it in this segment. It about falls with uh, our. This was oh by the way did we say the date? It's January seventeenth, nineteen ninety nine. So the Powder Puff football game is instead of the high school football team playing the football game, they have faculty. It's flag football game, the faculty versus all girls. So instead of guys, it's girls. And so there's the cheerleaders are the boys. Right. Which was very funny. And I have to say it was like my all my good friends decided to sign up for it. And so we, we like we had to go to cheer practice and learn all of the school's cheers. And, uh, it was a, a great time. We like tried to do the pyramids. We tried to do the holds and we end up, you end up making a giant ass of yourself and everybody, right. you know, it's, it's great, but, and I had a great experience and it was fun and I could leave it there and I should leave it there. But since you and I, and this is going to sound like I'm being funny, but I'm not, as we've gone through this podcast, you know, we've been trying to point out, observational sexism and just things that haven't held up well. Uh-huh. I'm thinking back to the Powderpuff game, and I'm realizing that uh, on its surface, oh, that's a funny idea. Make the girls play football and the guys will be cheerleaders. Mm-hmm. It's sort of really kind of w- fucked up in a lot of ways. Not the least Including of- the name. Yeah, n- n- yeah, that, I didn't even think of that. Not the least of which, you know, as we were making fools of ourselves- what was being completely not watched is the actual game where that was supposed to be the focus. That's kind of a sad memory now. And we had to like wear skirts and dress as girls. And that's kind of, that doesn't hold up well. I hope I will ever run for office. It sounds like a steaming mixture of misogyny and homophobia all played for laughs all together. Like not intentionally, but subtextually. uh, Yeah. It's like, I I see exactly why that was fun and also exactly why you look back on it and cringe a little bit. That that's that's interesting. But yeah, I'm, and you could I'd be curious I could, whether they still do it today. 
or, they or do, how they've they, rebranded it. They do. And I know this because, you know, my first thing is I'll Google or I'll YouTube, you know, the date 1999. And what first, one of the first things that came up was last year's Upper Marion Powder Puff game. Because no, no, like video evidence, I think is, well, at least I don't have any of ours, but so they're still doing it. And I guess all it would take is one person to get offended, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah, boy, that's, that's interesting. Cause like, you know, cons- it's just dicey. I, I I think it really comes down to how, how you're, how you're doing it and making sure that you're not unintentionally subtextually, uh, sending messages you don't want to be sending. Yeah. Interesting. But, I don't know. It's, uh, yeah. Maybe I'm just being yeah, a little more introspective than usual, but it was. No, that, I, I, I'm with you. I, I felt the same way when you told me about it. That said, my senior year was cool because I just, I got involved with as many different things as I could. So this was a, another, <clears throat> another fun memory. And uh, yeah, my first time. You were was a cool it, kid. I was ish, ish. You're, anyway. You were definitely a cool kid <clears throat> in high school. So when we last left our other intrepid hero, yes. he was watching the Star Trek movie alone because his <laughs> his dear Mormon friend decided to uh, not partake in such trivial matters. Or such yes, yes, sure did. Go against her God, which is totally within her right. Uh, but Keith was a little sad that he, or maybe uh, I'm feeling like some mixed signals are are, are are on the on the horizon. So fill us in. What what's the next thing? Yeah, well, uh, I was I was definitely sad. I was. It was. Uh, what else is new? Yeah, right. No, the, I, actually, that I think that that year might have been the second most depressing year of my life uh, after seventh grade. But happily, the practice wasn't on in nineteen ninety three, so we don't have to do that. <laughs> but uh, but taking that all into account, I'm going to talk about something that happened. The beginning of the second semester actually was good. Okay. Something turned a corner at, at about this time in my freshman year. And that is uh, the lights came on in my music theory class. Mm. And uh, I, I think I mentioned before coming out of uh, sort of like a public school. And as a voice major, I showed up at school knowing very little music theory. And if you don't know music theory, it's basically the language and math that music is based on. It's the notation. It's how, you know, how the notes are arranged and the keys and the relations to each other and form and structure and blah, 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 blah. There's like a, there's a huge math behind music and it's teaching you that. And I showed up so far behind everybody. Mm. And, you know, as I mentioned before, people weren't annoyed that I didn't know these things. They were angry at me (laughs) and they thought I was like being intentionally obtuse, which was offensive in its own right. Uh, And I was so lost for the first semester because it it was part because I, I had this huge deficit in the knowledge I was coming to it, but also I didn't understand why it, I needed it. Didn't understand how it helped me. Um, and so I just, it, I, I had a hard time wrapping my head around it, but beginning of the second semester, I'm not entirely sure what clicked for me, but it definitely did. And I was like, Oh wait, now I see how this helps me. And, uh, you know, why voice leading matter? Why does voice, I could like, why the fuck do I care about voice leading? It seems like an arbitrary rule that doesn't help anybody or whatever. And especially as someone who wrote music and didn't follow voice leading rules, I'm like, fuck you. 
Anyway, the lights came on and all of a sudden I got it. And uh, I went from the worst kid in class to the best kid in class almost overnight. I was like the dumb dumb was now correcting the teacher because I just loved it. Mm-hmm. And I do. And to this day, 21 years later, I love music theory, tonal music theory. We had a year of atonal music theory and fuck that noise. But tonal music theory, I just I think it's fascinating. I love I would love to teach it at some point Um, because the lights came on. And that was a thing that not only made me happy, it is something I have brought to the rest of my life. And I use it literally every single day. Well, I'd like to piggyback on that because maybe we can have some sort of a barter system. So one of my dirty little secrets is always that I actually had the same exact experience. My first uh, attempt at college was, and we'll talk about this on the podcast because we'll we'll get there. Because Uh, there are 900 seasons of the practice. But uh, I ended up, uh, I wanted to uh, study uh, what your brother does, a recording engineer. And oh, at, Ithaca, at Ithaca, in order to be in that program, you also had to minor in a instrument or in music. And so I uh, was a voice major and I got placed into a countertenor voice studio. Interesting. They will certainly help you with your Frankie. They were going to train me. Well, it's a completely different voice than that. It's a different placement not for a different podcast. So, but I have always been a guitar player that's kind of what I knew of music and kind of a hack at that. And I went in like you and was placed just completely improperly into, I just was horrifically underprepared when it came to music theory. <clears throat> Difference being, you know, I have some learning disabilities and some, you know, issues and I, I couldn't ask for help. And so I quickly, it never, it did not click for me. Mm. And it actually led to like my spiral and leaving my first kind of attempt at college. And it really scarred me a bit. And so I kept hiding the fact instead of seeking help, I kept hiding the fact, you know, and I've made a a decent career or a living, I should say, I don't call it a career, but, uh, you know, a living is a career. Yeah. Uh, working in musical theater and, and as a musician and, and I barely read music. I can barely read music and trying to, to navigate this career and keep that a secret has been one of the most challenging things I've ever done for no reason, because it turns out that as I've gotten older, I've just been very open about that. I have a very good ear. I learn in different ways. I just need to learn differently. Sure. And it's make, it made it a lot easier, but trying to do it on the, on, as a secret, because I was embarrassed, may, I made things twice as hard on myself because there are people like you, music directors, composers, people like you who are very good at it, who are happy to, facilitate any sort of learning, you know? Well, and beyond that, as a composer, music director, and all that kind of stuff, I'm aware that every single actor I have ever worked with feels exactly the same way. Right. That I don't know anything, and I'm the only one, and I'm keeping it a secret. Right, right. I have never worked with anyone in my entire life who doesn't feel exactly that same way. Yeah, it's, I guess that, let's not get too deep, but that goes with a lot of things, right? We all think we're the only person who's depressed. We're the only person who has trouble with our family, blah, blah, blah. No, it is absolutely true. Uh, You know, and the, and the other thing that I, if I ever do my, I'd love to do a theory for perform, for musical theater performers. 
like just teaching what you need to know for that, because it doesn't matter if you read technically well, it matters that you can figure it out. And whether you do it in a non-traditional way, you do it using your ear. I don't know. I don't give a shit if you can read the notes exactly right off the page. What I give a shit is that after I, you come back to the next rehearsal, you know your stuff. I don't care what your process is. Just you know, fucking learn your music. You know what I do care about, though? Hmm. What key was the top song of January 1999 in? Ooh, way to transition us. <laughs> That's called a sagui. A sagui, yes. All right. Well, I don't know what the key was. Because I do not have perfect pitch, but I t- can tell you, this song was our good friend. Topping the charts with Have You Ever, which is a song that I am not really familiar with. Well, because I was sheltered in opera school, but it was a t- top hit for a long time. I'd imagine it's in C or D or G. Or it sounds like a, it's a good bet. Could be an F, maybe, but probably C or D or G. That right there is a music is a music nerd joke. Hardly so, a joke, but <laughs> well, look. Right uh, now, a music nerd society, joke would be, "Hey, hey, Keith, yeah, you, you better C sharp or you'll be flat." Boo. Oh, well, you said, I mean, I didn't promise a good one. <laughs> no, well played. All right. So we were listening to Have You Ever by Brandy. We were going to go see Varsity Blues Ooh. in the theaters. And uh, in the local paper, in the Burlington Free Press, again, another piece of serendipity here. Uh, it was about the Clinton impeachment again. The House team concludes the argument. Mm. In the impeachment. Now, if you're tracking where we are today, we're recording this on January 18th. The House team is about to begin the argument this coming Tuesday in the Trump impeachment. I can't believe how 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 we're sinking so clearly with the well, practice 21 years ago. Don't forget. Let's talk about sinking. Who guess? Oh no! Don't guess. Uh, tell our listeners who aren't politically involved who one of the lead defense counsel for the president's team is. <laughs> our old buddy Ken Starr. Oh, what's old Lord. is new again. It's seriously well, and uh, and what's his nuts from the OJ trial? It's oh an, Dershowitz. It's a mess. Dershowitz. Yeah. So it's just a reality show. It's just he's going full <laughs> reality show. What a fucking mess! But. Boy, am I excited to watch it. I, it, it. If I had to take off work to watch TV all day, I would, but I don't. So, Wait, speaking of excited, excited, Keith. Yes? Do you hear that? What? What? What the fuck? Weather. Oh, Jesus. Can you tell me the weather? Because we all need to know. Was it hot? Did it snow? It really don't. Tell me the weather from 21 years ago. Break out your favorite grungy 90s flannel because it's pleasantly warm outside. On January 17, 1999, in Astoria, New York, it was a beautiful sunny day with temperatures reaching a high of 52 degrees and a low of 30 degrees overnight. And this has been your weather. <sighs> I oh. thought it was dead. Oh, she's back, baby. 
It oh, and now it has a segment jingle. That's the oh god. Cloud, Cloud Lover sixty nine made just made me realize what has been missing, and I have rectified <laughs> the situation. Oh my god! I uh, well, I, it was it's a really good tune you wrote. That little little jazz guitar. That's you playing. That's me playing. I thought that maybe we needed a different sort of genre. We haven't quite hit the uh, the smooth jazz, so so I thought I'd bring that into the podcast. <laughs> well, oh, no, shit. that's like that's like you know smart jazz. That's not smooth jazz. That's oh, like yeah, yeah. That's like coffee shop in Manhattan kind of a thing. I give you a couple key chains, key changes. Nice. Well, All right, says the guy who doesn't know theory. I mean, that must be the last inane, stupid, completely unnecessary jingle we have. Oh, oh, I think not. I think your punishment, your punishment comes in the form of sports ball. The Atlanta Falcons defeated. We're defeated in overtime with more Madison goal and Astrodome sending them their first ever Super Bowl. Gary Anderson missed a 50-yard yard field goal that would have iced the game for Minnesota. Jets. Curtis Martin could only muster 14 yards against the dominant Denver defense. Oh my God, my brain is dead today. Well, you went right. You that you went longer than that long bumper too. <laughs> That's because it wasn't written for, to be a bumper. Oh, well, actually, it was, but it was for a musical. Okay, guys, it is finally, finally time to talk about the episode remember what we're doing oh, we're doing a, we're doing a, uh, a podcast about the practice oh yeah yeah and uh you know 50 episodes in we've wasted a half hour of your life and we have not even mentioned the topic of this podcast which is the practice season three episode 13 judge and jury it was written, of course, by David E. Kelly, who goes back on the solo writing this time, and directed by a new director, Alan Arkish, who is an Emmy-winning director. He directed uh, Nashville, okay. 11 episodes of Heroes, 30 episodes of Crossing Jordan. He was uh, Emmy-nominated for Ally McBeal. He did 12 episodes of Moonlighting, and everybody's favorite sequel, Caddyshack 2. Oof. <laughs> the movie no one knew they knew they wanted yeah well i it's so funny we watched uh jillian and i we watched caddyshack uh a couple months ago because i don't think i'd ever seen it all the way from start to finish and she'd never seen it and we watched it and we're like that was a thing we watched and then because i'm a completist i have to watch the sequels no matter what no matter how bad i must watch it like I'll watch like a time cop sequel, uh, but yeah, I didn't get through the Caddyshack too. Caddyshack and uh, the Great Outdoors are remind me both very similar of like a, a, a genre of movie they don't make anymore. It's like an oddball comedy that is so tonally inconsistent throughout. It's crazy. It's like there's these there's a lot of scene work and there's a through line, but then there's like this weird subplot of like puppet animals doing shit that for yeah. like zany kid comedy. It's bizarre, but that was well, the eighties. I will, I'll tell you why that genre doesn't exist anymore, because the studios no longer provide a wheelbarrow of cocaine. Mm. Keith, speaking of needing a wheelbarrow of co cocaine, I'm going to make this super brief. I know we're talking about the practice, but I just want to mention quickly, I went and saw the Cats movie. Did you really? I did. And I was pleasantly intoxicated, but my review will be summed up in something that happened. So 
we're sitting there and there was a handful at best of people at the Times Square AMC theater. So this is like central. So you went into Midtown to do this? Yeah. So, oh. yes. I, because I wanted to see it with some people so we could have like a fun laugh together. And I figured where will the most concentrated amount of people be, but in the center of New York City. And there were still sure. only about six of us seeing this terrible movie. And so it, it so bad, in fact, it's making so little money that the Times Square AMC theater did not even get the new print where they fixed the hands. Oh, they didn't even bother? No, they were just running the old one, the bad one. I'm sure they're both bad. Anyway, so this man is sitting in front of me. He's by himself. He's wearing a hat and his jacket. Uh, and we, he sat through all of the kid previews. So, you know, it's a Disney movie, or it's like a, a a kid movie, I guess. So they're playing all these child previews before the, the movie. Knows. Yeah. And, and there's like 15 minutes of previews or whatever. Finally, the movie starts. Within the first 45 seconds of the movie, the guy just goes, oh, hell no, and stands up and walks out. <laughs> And that sums up my review. Oh, hell no. Wow. I, Yeah, well, Jillian wants to go see it. And I'm like, yeah, I'll do it. I think you just have to be the, the correct amount of intoxicated. I, I just don't know that it's worth $32 for you to go. Yeah, I can get intoxicated at home when it comes out on Netflix. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that. <clears throat> okay, well. Okay, well, on that note, I think it's time to do the episode. What do you say? I gotta, I gotta predict first. I'm, we're going, we're, we're completists. Oh, God, why do I always? You know what? The thing that made me remember that segment was you getting your guitar. Ah, uh, yes. Well, I don't do that I, anymore. <laughs> I don't. I, I think you might have to because otherwise, I'm not going to remember. Well, we'll talk about a way to remember. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I would do this bit by torturing you further, but because we're already 35 minutes into an episode, <laughs> I'm just going to hit. What is that supposed to mean? What's your problem? Is this what happens to women when you insert your penis? What? What does Mike think's gonna happen? You know, what if he would have drank the curdled milk? Then what would have happened? Keith, there's no previously on this week. The episode starts right away. So I get, there is not. So I get no sort of help from that. So we have the episode Judge and Jury. So I'm going to stick with my belief that David doesn't get creative with the titles. He basically tells us in it. And I'm going to say that this there's going to be a case this week in which the defendant or, or in, for some reason— it's a non-jury trial. So the judge is both judge and jury and some sort of, you know, crazy conflict from the past or some old relationship that he, Bobby has with the judge is going to inf affect the case. And that's going to be the conflict of the episode. Okay. I think that's a pretty solid guess. That's all I got. Let's, let's find out if he's right. Ladies and gentlemen, the Practice, the Outer Practice Podcast, Episode 50, featuring The Practice, Season 3, Episode 13, Judge and Jury. They're playing the theme song. That's weird. Over like some B-roll. I'll ask you one more time to reconsider. I've given it a lot of thought, Mark. Ooh, I know haircut this. alert. And both you and Scott vowed from the onset it would be my dis- Hide your children, hide your wives. 
Lara Flynn Boyle has a page boy haircut. With bangs. Bangs! Bangs for days! Which it still is. But as DA, Scott's the one who Usually takes really the heat. I don't mind I'm taking sure the it. Can I give the speech one more time bangs just to be sure to that I have made the point? If the point gets any more etched in my brow, I'm going to need to take time off to get Botox. But, okay, hey, go ahead. Aside from the First Amendment issues... To be prosecuting a news magazine for murder, Accessory. you'll never win. Ooh. And even if you should, the appeals would go on through the SJC all the way to the Supreme Court. Great, I'll get to meet Rehnquist. Always had a crush. Helen. More serendipity. money. Can we really justify spending $10 million to secure a conviction that's going to be struck down? My speech? Sure. As a result of the actions of that television producer, a woman is dead. It was a criminal act. I only wish I could make a case against the whole network. That kind of comment. It is still my decision, right? Yes. In part because you'd crucify Scott Colby in the press if he reneged. Well, whichever way we get there, wish Getting a lot luck. of exposition here. We are. Wonderful. Meanwhile. It's very early, folks. Please forgive us. <laughs> <laughs> and by very early, it is now 12.15 p.m. <laughs> and we're like dead. So, uh, that, so, so they're trying to prosecute a magazine for accessory A to news murder. magazine. Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, we'll find out how and why soon. Uh, but we were just given that exposition by James Satorius from Southland CSI ER. And he did four different characters on Murder, She Wrote. He's Which credited as probably ADA Mark. ADA Mark, yeah. That's all we're given. All right. I got to work that four characters on the same show into the Murder, She Wrote spoof. I have opening off-Broadway coming up in August. Hey, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Okay. So here's something that I noticed for the first time in this, uh, while viewing this. This is the first time I noticed that our friend Marla is in the opening credits. Oh, interesting. But it's not true. It's just the first time I noticed it because she joined in uh, season three, episode 10, Love and Honor. The first, there she is. There she is. It's weird that they they gave you this sort of cold open running the theme song and then, but then run the whole opening bumper later. Yeah, it's an odd choice by the director. I don't know. I thought they were the episode was so jam packed they just weren't going to open the pre roll. Right. That would make sense. Okay, we're home with Lindsay and Helen. In their jammies. There is speculation that if the executive producer of Timeline is found guilty, a civil lawsuit against ABC will follow. Many think the district attorney is prosecuting the producer first, hoping an accessory conviction against him will bolster chances of getting a murder conviction against the doctor. Thank you, Exposition You're TV. You're actually doing this. Prosecuting a news producer for murder. Accessory. Accessory to murder. Which he's guilty of if he encouraged it. Well, this will certainly give you your 15 minutes. You know, I get it. It's TV. But it's so often that the firm does some crazy shit, and then in a subsequent episode, when Helen is trying to do something similar or equally outrageous, they all scoff back and forth at each other. Like, come on. Yeah, the half of the show is, 
you couldn't possibly. Where are your standards and integrity? And then the other person saying the exact same thing yeah. backwards. Oh, I think I'll go like uh, put a hit out on a, a perp. Yeah. Let's not forget Bobby concealed a dead baby last week. He sure did. Yeah. No, and I have the spreadsheet on my list of crimes they've committed. <laughs> That's yes. one of them. And you let, and it's not the first dead baby. So we're let's not get no. too incredulous. You think that's what this is about? No. Then why'd you say it? What is this about? Is it a boy? It's not a boy. Thankfully. That's true. (laughs) Keith is pompous. Keith is pompous. No, that's the classical music that is playing at the office. Marla, or excuse me, Lucy, Lucy notices someone is burning the midnight oil listening to, is that Beethoven? I don't actually don't know. I was going to look it up, but then I didn't. should have shazammed it. And Eugene is ballroom dancing, waltzing by himself in his office. Oh, he's embarrassed. I it was, won't tell. It was very cute. It was cute. Very endearing. But if I were to tell... What would I say you were doing? You waltzing. I'm taking some ballroom dancing lessons. My son has these dances, so I want to teach him. First, I have to learn how. That's cute, Eugene. Super I can cute. ballroom dance. I can teach your son if you want. I really wouldn't mind. But, like, Eugene's son has ballroom dances? Are you any good? Like, what schools he go to? They ballroom dance. That was very nice of Lucy. Did you Very announce nice. yourselves as police officers as you entered? Yes, and a gun. we did. We yelled and police a gun. Welcome. The next thing, he was shooting. The defendant? Yes. I was wounded in both the shoulder and the leg. The warrant was for the house next door? Yes. You made a mistake. Case number two. Yes, but that doesn't Thank mean... Thank you, detective. You answered the question. Now, when you charged... It's good to see Bobby litigating. It's been a while. Yeah. No, it's the wrong true. house. Almost instantly, my client began shooting. Yes. Immediately. Yes. And your men returned fire. Yes. Wounding my client. Yes. He was shot three times. I believe so. You basically charged into the home of an innocent person. Shot him three times. Objection. Sustained. That's all I have. We'll take a break until one o'clock, Mr. Donald. If you're paying attention. I'll see you in chambers a minute. That judge's voice, that's Holland Taylor. Back For the as record, judge I won't allow any more arguments in question form. All lawyers love to do it. You seem particularly fond oh, of it. Oh, she's got a quite the little number on right underneath now her judge's I'll be row. cutting you off in open court. I don't think I've been any more argumentative than the district attorney. Well, I think you have. But I'll be shutting her down, too, if we come to that. Is that, is that all? No. Um, could you sit? Uh-oh. <clears throat> Doesn't look good, Keith. No. It's just, uh, this this is a never... little awkward. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <clears throat> I take pride in adhering strictly to ethical obligations. Is she going to come on to him? And as gray as this is... What? What's going on? It has absolutely no bearing no. on this case. No. Uh, well, I suppose the easiest way for me to say it is for me to just say it. A 
About six weeks ago, I had what I would consider to be an extremely erotic dream. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> That's it. I'm gone. Forget it. Oh, oh, Mike just quit, guys. Mike just quit. Come on. I Come on. <laughs> Come on. You know. What? Look. Is, is this a this is this? Hold on. Before yes, I. Okay. Is. Let's. For, I'm even going to put aside the fact we already did this with Jimmy and. Uh, uh, Lindsay. Lindsay. Vigorous. I'll, I'll, I will, I will take it as just par for the course if this is a little thing that's happening. But is this, tell me this isn't the plot of the episode. Uh, well, no spoilers, uh, but apparently, uh, when is Earth Day? April. April. Okay, so it's a little early for this to be the Earth Day episode where he is reduced, reusing, and recycling the same plot points that perhaps he forgot he already literally did. Why do you have to tell everybody you had a wet dream about? I that's. Ugh. I mean, at least in this case, there is a, understandably an ethical issue because she's in charge of the case and the standards there are much more. Uh, the stakes are much higher. Yeah, but, so, you, so recuse yourself. You, you got to bring him back into chambers and tell him. It's weird. Yeah, you don't have to tell them why you're recused. Oh, anyway. Uh, <laughs> let's see where it goes. There'll be much more with this. And I you mean, he is very it. dreamy. I won't go into the details, except to say you. that you were quite well represented. Keith, stay silent. Oh my God, I just heard what she just said. <laughs> don't, don't say anything if you've also had a sex dream about Bobby. I have definitely not had a sex dream about Bobby. Mm -hmm. The problem is... Sorry to say. ...that I shared this with Judge Hiller. She and I are friends, as you know. You told Judge Hiller? Oh, she's more of a sport than you think. We had a couple of schoolgirl chuckles. Anyway, as you also know, if there's anyone more insistent on ethical obligations than I, it's Zoe. Zoe, who actually has also expressed interest said, in Bobby. <clears throat> Given that I had a sexual fantasy involving one of the lawyers on a case Wait, of pause which it right I'm there. presiding. Right there. Look in her hair. A f there's a fly in her hair in this oh, shot. Oh, my. How did you even catch that? I, you know, because somebody screenshots all the guest stars. That's amazing. That and is it's going to be there for a while. We'll put it on the Instagram. There is a big old fly in her hair. Pre-CGI, baby. Leave it in. I should perhaps recuse myself. Oh, it's crawling around. It's crawling I around. I thought the idea ridiculous. And I said so. But as she no, pointed out. So that's probably a cut. Probably, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> really a judge that. has the duty to avoid even the appearance of impropriety. Now, it has no influence on this case, but I felt that perhaps I should bring it to your attention, and if you feel that I should recuse myself, I will. But I... If it has no bearing... Uh... It doesn't. 
And I think the trial is going well for my client. She took the time. It would definitely be on. This is the David E. Kelly thing about like, A, he's obsessed with sex dreams. B, he's obsessed with telling people about the sex dreams. And C, there's always the doubling down where Jimmy, like, just he says it. She's like, okay, don't worry about it. Blah, blah, blah. It's awkward, but we're not going to talk about it. He's like, you were vigorous. And this time she doubles down again. Like I did it. He's like, okay. He's like, and you were very well represented. It like the whole, like even the beat structure of the thing is exactly the same. You know, it's interesting. It's like if, if she's, she's basically asking him if she should recuse herself, which is bizarre because yeah, who's the judge here? Because obviously he would say no. And then, but then it's obvious, but, but once she tells him she almost has to recuse herself because there's no way Bobby's not going to now frame all of his actions uh, litigiously around no, that insider information. It's sort of like insider trading. And all of her decisions and the frame yeah. that he interprets all of her <clears throat> decisions. Yeah. Ethical for me to comment on that. If you don't think it'll interfere with your uh, ability to be impartial, then... Um, Oh, he turned on his dreamy eyes. Now, um, now he, sure he knows. Did. I'm okay. Well, he's got to think it helps him. Because if That's she shows him favoritism, he wins. If he if she goes against him, she can he can then use that uh, against Bobby, her. Right. <clears throat> this, of course, is extremely sensitive. Not to say embarrassing. If you would mind not telling anybody. Like you shouldn't have. Well, maybe that's a conversation better to have at, like, the pub instead of, like, in chambers. Right. Gangs gamble. And you're sure this is what you wish to do? Yes. So we're watching a videotape that was broadcast. Is there anything else you'd like to say, Mary? The drug will take effect almost immediately. Oh, so the news magazine... <clears throat> ran a story of like an assisted suicide. Yeah, we're we're doing Kevorkian. Want to die now? Now that Titanic's Remember, been handled, be let's go to Kevorkian. That, that's right. The second one will put you out. I'm very uncomfortable watching this. There is one last thing. Yes. Thank you. Lynn Hamilton is back as Judge Fulton. So the doctor is giving her the medication. So we're watching this in standard definition, four by three aspect ratio, but we're watching the filming of a 12 inch fuzzy TV. So it's as if you took, go, go in your living room and grab two magic markers and just draw on your eyeballs. And that's about what we're seeing. Yeah, it's it's SD into SD into SD into a vortex of pixels. Please don't draw on your eyeballs. We don't. But if it. you do, Mike told you to. Keithton. Keith. Keith. Keithton. My uncle used to call me that when we were kids, but I don't think he would have written that. You know, Keith is also sometimes used as a term for shake, which is like the remnants of your bag of marijuana. So. Mary Burlington closed her eyes and went from living to dead. So 
interesting here. So, just to be clear. How long have you the, been a producer? The plan here, Helen is prosecuting the news magazine, not the doctor who actually performed the assisted suicide yet. Her plan is to get the news magazine. If they can convict that, it'll make it'll easy, be easier to convict the doctor later. Uh, we call that an end around. Do we? Well, I just did. So, okay, yes. good. These are on timeline. Almost three years. And in your capacity as producer, did you have the occasion to meet Dr. Ryan, the physician featured in the tape? Yes. He came in for a meeting in November of 1998. Who was present in the meeting? Myself, Dr. Ryan, and John Matlin, our executive producer. Could you describe the context of the meeting? Well, Dr. Ryan had just recently been acquitted for the third time for assisted suicides. He was basically proposing that he be the subject of an in-depth interview. A profile sort of thing. How did Mr. Matlin respond? It was negative. He said the physician-assisted suicide thing was a tired issue, and unless there was a new spin, he wouldn't be interested. He also felt that Dr. Ryan was just trying to promote his quest. So he said no? Yes. But then, as Dr. Ryan was about to leave, John said, you don't have any of these assisted suicides on videotape, do you? What did Dr. Ryan say to that? He said no. But I could see his wheels spinning. Objection. Sustained. Jury will disregard that statement. Ms. That Kramer, could you describe Walsh. the tone of Mr. Matlin's question to Dr. Ryan as to whether there was a tape? In my opinion, it was the equivalent of a suggestion. He was basically saying, if you have it on videotape, we'd be interested. Objection. Overruled. Do you think the defendant encouraged the tape? Objection. Leading. Overruled. I'll ask again. Is it your impression that Mr. Matlin encouraged Dr. Ryan to get it on tape? Yes, it was. He didn't say, go out and get one on tape, did he? No, not in those words. And when he was referring to videotape, he was talking in the past tense, is that right? Yes, but as I said, I felt an implied suggestion that this doctor go out and do something in the future. And that bothered you? Yes. And after you heard what you believed to be Mr. Matlin encouraging Dr. Ryan to go out and tape an assisted suicide, what did you do? What did I do? Yes. Did you protest to Mr. Matlin? Did you say anything to anybody at that time? No. Well, I guess you know it didn't what I bother think you I, we that much. Say, hey, Ms. Kramer. We're going to interrupt this scene and break up the flow and say... I know that lawyer from somewhere. That lawyer defending the... TV station is played by legendary actor Dennis Arndt from Basic Instinct. He will play uh, three different characters on The Practice, which I'm excited about because I get to play my jingle. And he did 12 episodes of Picket Fences, hmm. also L.A. Law. So a mighty David E. K. Kelly player. And he most recently starred in Heisenberg on Broadway opposite uh, What's Her Nuts? Yes, what's her nuts indeed. Indeed, indeed. Is this, if this isn't the first time, it's definitely one of the rare occasions where we see a, a Lindsay Dole feature or a Helen Gamble feature uh, prosecuting someone who is not being defended by one of our firm's team. That's true. That's true. Yeah. So, and it's, yeah, it's funny when you're integrating a character that isn't part of the practice into the practice, because you either need to force them together 
or she just gets an entire story that's unrelated to the people we started the show with. Which I'm okay with because she's, totally. I mean, she's one of our featured players. You know what I mean? She's well, she is now. Yeah. Yeah. So I like that. I remember you had teased before that she might be joining the team or they did that at the end of last season. And I like that we're able to not have had that happen and yet still get her, have her own sort of side beats. Yeah. It's like, she's a and- superhero who got her own comic. Yeah, and and this makes more sense. Objection. Overruled. After hearing what you believe to be well. somebody encouraging us. Did we revisit who the judge is while, while we're stopped? Uh, we did. I did say. Uh, but that is our old friend. Oh, my God. Lynn I literally Hamilton. just Lynn Hamilton as yeah. Judge Fulton. Suicide. You just sit tight. Is that the honorable thing to do? Objection. All right, Mr. Robertson. Isn't it true that it was only after the negative public response to this broadcast that you seized the opportunity to go after my client? That is not true. You like John Matlin, Miss Kramer? We've had our differences. Never tried to get him fired? Objection. Overruled. Did you ever try to take his job, Miss Kramer? Our differences were professional. It has nothing to do with me sitting in this chair today. No, of course not, because you are an honorable person. Objection. This is just political, isn't it? Or should I direct that question to the district attorney? Objection! Sustained. And after Dr. Ryan came back with the tape, having committed this terrible crime that you think your boss motivated, did you resign? No. You're still with the company? Yes. So really tight shots here. Nothing further. Gee whiz. All right. Great scene. Tense. Because it does like beg the question, like calling what, the doctor. What is the law? I have to. Here? This case will be tough. Because she's she's charging them with accessory to murder, uh, saying that the the producer convinced him to do it to put it on tape. But I think it's pretty easy to say. Well, he didn't convince the person to kill somebody. Mm-hmm. He convinced him to document it the next time you do it. Right. Which is weird. Yeah, which which I think like that's a entirely different thing because there's nothing wrong with a just like it's whatever you're up to, document it and then we'll show it. It's not this guy's life work, if he's standing in for Kevorkian, his life work is to assist people's suicides. That he's gonna do it or not, but as part of the as part of his you know, crusade for, for publicity. You just tape it next time. Yeah, I guess it gets tricky too, though, because you have to talk about intent, right? And so when you're talking about murder, at least, and since now there's a, you know, he has a judge, he has a doctor, you know, there's just their own moral quandaries as to assisted suicide, you know, the Hippocratic Oath and at first do no harm and all those muddy waters, but that's not what we're talking about here, right? But is his intent subject to further scrutiny because it's now fiscally incentivized. Well, the doctors is. That's the next case. Right. But we're 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 purely talking about the culpability of the producer who said, "Hey, if you tape it, then I'll I'll air this air the segment." Right, but I, but I guess what Helen's saying, you can make the argument that by me by me offering you money to tape the next time you go rob a bank, I might 
be incentivizing you to sure. rob that bank. That's, I guess, right. the and, case. And that's, and I don't know if he was paid, but he was paid in the publicity he's searching for because it's a political movement for him. But, but yeah, no, I think that's that's the point Helen's making. No quid pro quo. No quid pro quo. You're calling the doctor. I have to. This case will be tough enough without relying on a hostile witness, don't you? Think? I have to establish that a crime was committed. Otherwise, I can't make accessory. But though I will say that it, it, I don't understand the strategy to do the magazine first. You have a better case against the doctor. You do, but this is a crusade for Helen, because as we've we dealt with last season, like she has a very personal connection to assisted suicide, and so she's going after the. I mean, this was talking about the opening scene. Like she's doing this for political reasons more than nobody wants to prosecute this except for her uh didn't two, literally two episodes ago the, didn't the episode end with her saying having an argument being like i won't be a part of any political crusades anymore sure did okay but why but should the doctor help he goes on trial himself he doesn't care like if he gets convicted he's a martyr helen he's a hostile witness who could destroy your whole case let him try what is with you i heard that Good beat. Your Honor. Oh, great. Oh, now he's chasing down the judge. Six years I've been riding this elevator. I don't think I've ever been on it with you. Make one lousy confession. Well, well, it's... uh, I do apologize. I get... It wasn't something you could avoid. Well, isn't that a vain take on it? I didn't mean it that way. I, I meant it was, uh, it was a dream, not something you did consciously. It's just, it was so vivid. Oh, that is unnecessary. It, all the writing, though, because I got to tell you, she is incredible. Like, Bobby and Dylan McDermott is a fantastic actor, but... He's in a scene right now. She is giving me the 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 kind of like embarrassed schoolgirly kind of vibe. Is she's acting the shit out of it? It's real oh, as hell. Teller is killing. Yes, it is such a good. She did such a good job. Well, uh, but like, so, see ya. David E. Kelly, yes. Jimmy said vigorous. She said vivid. Not only does they have to double down and talk about it, they use a V word. <laughs> That's it. You should also listen to the music. It'll. I'm help. listening. It should be noticeable. It's official. I have a giant crush What's on Lucy. Going on? Official uh, okay. dancing lessons. He wants to. Uh, I I do think we should go back because that line literally made me snort when I heard it. Uh, so Kendall Young is, or I mean Billy Thomas is back as Kendall Young, Eugene's son, and this line made me laugh because it applies to my life. Lucy's wearing another prom dress with a nice choker again. Yes. Also listen to the music. It'll I'm listening. It should be noticeable that you're listening. (laughs) What's going on? Uh, Dancing lessons. That's my He wants to learn, and I figure it's a good way I can get some extra time. I once dated a ballroom dancer, and we had a very similar conversation. (laughs) (laughs) That's a cute little moment. You did not tell me to go videotape a death. 
Why'd you do it? Because I chose to. So it's I... just a big coincidence. The defendant says to you, have you got one on tape? And suddenly you choose to turn on a video recorder. Objection. This is her witness. A hostile witness. Who nevertheless should be allowed to finish his answers. I agree. You were seeking news coverage, weren't you, doctor? I so don't plan to plan B. But it certainly played no part in my decision to participate in euthanizing Mrs. Burlington. A. And I take extreme offense at sure your would. suggestion. The issue of euthanasia, you feel strongly about this, don't you, doctor? Yes, I do. You're passionate about this. Well... Do you do anything else? Do you treat patients as a physician other than to help them die? You're passionate about this. Yes. In fact, a segment on Timeline would be huge exposure for you in this issue, wouldn't it? That's not why... The question is, would a segment on Timeline be great exposure? Yes or no? Of course. Do you think your passion for this cause could have possibly made you slightly more inclined to put Mrs. Burlington to death? No. Objection. Yikes. It was her decision, Miss Gamble. The tape clearly reflected that. Don't you think patients are influenced by their doctors? I will tell you, in this situation, like every situation, the patient was of sound mind and free will when she decided that she wanted to end her suffering. She was of sound mind? Yes. You think suffering people are of sound mind? Ever known pain to compromise a person's judgment, doctor? That wasn't going on here. I heard her say on that tape that God was sure it was time for her to die. What did she mean by that? Well, did you even bother to ask what she meant? Objection. Overruled. See, or did you have to Helen's run out and kill somebody else that day? Objection. Miss Gamble. How long had you been treating Mrs. Burlington? Not too long. More than a year? No. A month? A few weeks. A few weeks. Can you say you truly knew this woman? I knew and trusted her decision. Doctor, don't you think you should at least know the person before you inject them with a fatal drug? Objection. Miss Gamble. If there was a cure for Mrs. Burlington, do you think she would have wanted to die? Probably not, but there was no cure. How many doctors did you talk to before concluding there was no cure? ALS is no... Did you call Johns Hopkins, UCLA, the Mayo Clinic? Did you do any research as to whether a cure or any experimental drugs would be viable within a week, a month, two months? I want to have a chat with Helen Gamble and tell her that I understand her tactic here, but if you don't alter the inflection of your tone, if you just go one note yelling, 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 nobody's listening to the words you're saying. No, absolutely. And she's if if she could turn down the intensity of the emotion by 15%, you come off as passionate and not dealing with your own personal shit, which is interfering. So people are thinking, like, what's going on with her as opposed to what argument is she making? Which, understanding that that entire conversation could be interpreted as... Uh, Women should not. Why are women yelling all the time? I can't listen to them when they're yelling. But I think actually in this case, it applies. And I doubt that, you know, a lot of most viewers ever think of these things. But, you know, I, one of my first days of, of conservatory training, when I decided to go into acting, they said, you know, after today, you'll never be able to watch any piece of performance without having one portion of your brain analyzing it. Yeah. And so in moments like this, I start to think, is that a choice she made or was that directed or did she do it a different way? More nuanced, like we said, and they're like, no, Helen is more, this is like a crusade for her. So plow through it, you know? No, you absolutely. Just, it's hard to and, know. Well, and I, and I have the exact same thing, but from the writing standpoint. And so if I'm writing this scene, I need to convey both the point that she's making, but also that this character 
is has all of this subtext going on with this and so is pushing it a little bit harder so she so i'm sure both the writing and the director is telling her to push this harder than you would normally to tell the story of the personal investment of this character if anyone out there listening has any connections to production if anyone has any old scripts, we would never share them, but it would be great to be able to read them or have them accessible while we're going through these to kind of bring a little more insight into these conversations. The stage like, directions, yeah, sure. Yeah, you know, we could, because a lot of times if people don't know, you know, what in a script, if you're given a line, there are things in parentheses called stage directions or set directions or whatever you want to call them, and they basically tell you at points maybe what some business you should do. Oh, here you walk over and grab this glass or it gives you some subtext to cut to, to sort of inform your performance. So it'd be great to be able to bring that to you guys too. So I know we've looked before Keith, but maybe, maybe, maybe our good, our new friend Marla can get us some scripts. And in the meantime, while we're stopped forever, <laughs> Our Kevorkian stand-in is played by Edmund Gennist. He is misidentified on IMDb. He says he's playing D.A. Robertson, who is he's not. But he would also be in Boardwalk Empire Horrible People and Gia. It's my understanding there is no such cure or drug. It's your understanding, Doctor. Don't you think you should make absolutely sure before you kill her? Objection. This man is not on trial. She wasn't even in the final stages of ALS, was she? She could still talk. She was suffering. Do you have any experience with direct patient care? No, but... And you have no expertise with pain management, do you? You just kill people. Objection. Just gamble. That's why you'll be prosecuted next month for murder. Objection. Miss Gamble. Yeah, so there had to be a stage track. direction there that she's losing control. She you lost shrieking. sight of the track, Helen. I really appreciate the support, Lindsay. Helen, I'm not here to beat you up. Whatever your feelings for the doctor, this case is about whether that new show aided and abetted a murder. It's Matlin's state of mind that counts. Convincing the jury that Dr. Jekyll in there is evil won't buy a conviction against Matlin in this trial. And for you to be losing sight of that... This is about your grandmother. About you hating doctors for pulling the plug on her. I agreed to pull that plug. You didn't do anything. You were 17. Exposition. This isn't something you should be trying out in that room. And give us some backstory. We got it. The defendant two. encouraged a murder. Then keep it about the defendant. It's irrelevant. That's for a jury to decide. It is not, Gene. Relevancy is a bench call. The jury... And how about letting the bench make the call? I'll take it to Benny. If I think it's... Your Honor, whether or not he had a valid gun permit, it doesn't make any difference. Then why are you so concerned? Because she's putting it in to make my client look like a bad guy. I'm putting it in to show your guy has a thing about guns. Oh, please. I'll admit it to Benny. If I think it's prejudicial, I'll strike it later. It's not a bill with much of a ding, counsel. And we know what has Let's a ding, counsel. A vigorous ding. It's irrelevant, and you know it. This is a mess. You should not have told him. I think I am going to recuse myself. Yes, you should have, and not I told him why. I keep thinking about you. Do you know what it probably is? It's that stupid cologne you're wearing. 
My husband bore that. We even buried him in it. Maybe I'm having a midlife crisis. Anyway. Well, it'll probably be a mistrial. Yes, I know. I'm sorry. Well, what reason will you give a mistrial at this point? It'll be on the record. I don't know. Maybe I'll say I've taken ill. That's a good performance by Holland Taylor here. You know what Zoe said to me? Why can't I have sex dreams this vivid? Yeah, right? Like, I mean, so much that it ruins, it's like ruining your career? Yeah, like, I I barely remember them at all. And they're definitely, like, nobody's vigorous. Nobody's vivid. No, I mean. Like, what the hell? At best, I have to change the sheets. And that hasn't happened since I was 17, so. <laughs> Oh, she no. said, wait, well, hold on. You, you deserve a bumper for that. That's terrible. That was, uh, see, it's not necessarily, oh, there it is. It's not, <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm not gonna do the joke I was going to. Okay. Mike is thirsty, but the sheets are quenched. Heart would never go anywhere. That's terrible. I apologize to the world. Are you sure he doesn't have a little crush on you? That's not the case, is it? Oh, God. Uh, well. Uh, I, I don't mean to embarrass you. What? Is it, is it so totally nuts, you and an older woman? No, no. It, it, you can be honest. I'm recusing myself. Have you ever fantasized? What are we, about eighth an older grade? Woman? She's totally hitting on him. Jacqueline Bissette. Jacqueline Bissett. Hmm. And not me. Do not engage, Bobby. Well, I mean, you're the judge. I, even if I, I would never with the judge, it's probably the rope. Yeah. Okay, so... The music is not helping this scene. No, I, I wrote down, what is the music supposed to be telling us here? Like, what... What are we supposed to... It is like weird, ambiguous music that's just sort of like unnecessary. And, cause you, it's it, making it seem like a breakup scene. It feels like a breakup scene. Yeah, and like it distracts from these great performances. And so I have so many feelings about like this whole storyline. But on the plus side, at least the like obnoxious, weird boundary breaking goes both directions. And... Yeah. So it's because it, it's been so many times we've been like, you know, Jimmy harassing Lindsay or Jimmy harassing whoever or Jimmy harassing somebody else. <laughs> like literally Jimmy just over and over again. At least it's going in the other direction. Well, don't forget the dick grab. The dick grab does count. The dick grab. No, that's true. And, you know, and Bobby with an older woman, I think, is an interesting would be an interesting storyline. Well, I can totally see. I don't totally I, The age is weird because I don't see them as. She doesn't read drastically older, and it, I, I wouldn't be so out of question if they, if they had a storyline where he and the judge started hooking up, that would be much more in line with Bobby, and it wouldn't. I would buy that. This is this seems very oddly sort of weird. It just I don't know for some reason it's it, just awkward. The whole, the whole thing is awkward. But it, to be fair, Holland does date a much younger woman. So oh well, that aside, if. Any other actress was playing this part right now, I think I would be just like rolling my eyes harder than possible. But I'm only somewhat invested slash buying it because of the performances. She's so fucking good. Oopsie well, spoiler I'm sorry alert. For yeah, right. Being human. 
Yeah, the scoring is from a different we'll TV show. We'll be getting show. you another judge. It also doesn't know what it's trying to do. Like the, it's not like feel sad or feel scared or feel whatever. It's just sort of noise. Thanks. So where's this gonna go? She's gonna be like harsh on him now or something? It's going somewhere else. That's not the end of it. It's just, we have so much more episode to go. The idea that I solicited that tape is beneath comment. And what exactly okay, did you say Okay, before we get into this scene, this is too important. Houston! TV producer! Houston! Guy who definitely solicited the tape? Yes, and I apologize uh, for going this far into it, this far into the episode. We've wasted so much of your time already. But that is Roger Corman. The legendary director, producer, actor of a gazillion different things. Let me just go through some of his credits. Acting, he's been the Manchurian Candidate, Silence of the Lambs, Scream 3, Apollo 13, Philadelphia, and Godfather 2. He has directed 56 low-budget slasher movies, including the original Little Shop of Horrors. He, as a producer directed a gazillion what they're referred to as Corman movies because he did a whole bunch of uh sci-fi exploitation films for forever still going including Bucket of Blood, The Wild Angels, Death Race 2000. He produced 415 of these movies and in in these movies he launched the careers of a I'm going to just list a couple of the folks who got their start in a Roger Corman film. Jack Nicholson, Robert De Niro, Dennis Hopper. He also f- helped directors James Cameron, Francis Ford Coppola, Jonathan Demme, Ron Howard, and Martin Scorsese. This is a big guy. Yeah, so he's still looking for his big break. He's still... <laughs> Ryan, Pound I in the asked paper. him if he had a video Still tape. making movies for $2,000. Keith, it's snowing! I never snowing. directly nor it indirectly is. suggested that he go out and get one. Why'd you ask if he had a tape? I won't deny it might have made a difference. A man has a videotape of an act of euthanasia. That's news. So it would be fair for Dr. Ryan to leave your office with the idea that a videotape, that's news. Ms. Gamble, a convenience store is held up. It doesn't get airtime. But caught on camera, it leads. We're a voyeuristic it's so nation. Pretty outside. Are you going to hold me responsible for that? See, the difference is the prospect of news coverage doesn't encourage news. Oh, Jesus. Here you offered Dr. Ryan exactly what he was after. That is absolutely false. You knew this man was on a mission to legalize euthanasia, and you sent him out of your office with the idea that some videotape would make a difference. I did not say go out and kill somebody. How long before Dr. Ryan returned with the tape of Mrs. Burlington's death? Good question. I think about 10 days. 10 days. <laughs> Let me ask you, on average, how long does it take to produce a typical segment for broadcast? And by that, I mean research, writing, shooting, editing. Pre- and post-production take about two months. Research varies. It can take about a year. When Dr. Ryan returned to your office with the tape, how much time elapsed before it aired? This one was short. How much time between the time you got the tape and the time it aired? About a week. Do you recall when it aired? November. November. Did you tell him you needed it for sweeps? 
See, that's the wrong line of questioning. The line of questioning there is shouldn't be about. Try to avoid my feed if you can. Whether or Watch not. Watch this, Eugene. Uh, see what a quick study he is. Look, Dad. Oh, I see what. I'm doing it. You know, you could just tell I me can that. See. <laughs> um, not so close. Like this. Okay, Eugene. Okay. Why don't you dance with him so I can see his posture? Yeah, I don't Eugene's dance son with is getting handsy with Lucy. It'll just be for a second. Kendall, you lead. I can't blame him. So now he's dancing. Terrible. Sorry, the, the thing oh, I was going to say more. before. Terrible. Before you texted me a hundred. Oh, look at that picture. That's We're so dancing. Silly. So you have uh, you have Jimmy and Rebecca and Cameron all stacking their heads over the door, looking in at the dancing. It was very cute. Uh, so the the point point I was going to make about um, the line of questioning that that Helen's doing, it, he would. There were she was doing a whole lot of questions about how important it was for the news magazine to do this story. And the they put it out, produced it quickly, they produced it for sweeps, blah, 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 blah. But again, all she's establishing there that it's a big it's a big story for them and is gets them a lot of ratings. It's not establishing that this guy killed this thing, killed this woman to be on there. What the question should have been was asking the Kevorkian stand-in. How often do you assist somebody in suicide? And did, like, you know, do you do two a year and then you did it a week after the guy asked for you? Or are you doing one every week? You just taped it for the first time. Wrong line of question. And a gun. Ms. Ward, please call your next witness. Oh, she's not recusing. Your Honor, ex party sidebar. Quickly. What's going on? Oh, shit. I thought about it all night. And I really do feel I can stay impartial. In fact, I know I can. Why didn't you tell him this before court started? I'd like to spare myself the embarrassment. Your Honor. Because he probably goes in un- underprepared. Because he's thinking it's going to get picked. That my work mm-hmm. is being affected by my hormones. Bring a motion for recusal. I will take myself off. Is that fair? Now she's putting him in a really I tough spot. I actually live right across the street. From the defendant? Yes. Even and did you ever spot. see the defendant yeah, and right. John Marks together? Oh, sure. They were neighbors. Friendly? Yes. Mr. Barton, did you have knowledge that Mr. Marks was in the drug trafficking business? Assuming facts, not in evidence. Sustain. So your the husband, jury will Skyler. disregard the question. Do you have reason That's to know true. what Mr. Marks does for a living? He deals drugs. How do you know this? He told me. And what else did he tell you? Well, I asked him if he was ever afraid of getting busted, and he said sometimes. But he could always hide his stuff at Bob's house if the police were ever... Objection. Hearsay. Move to strike that. Declaration against interest, Your Honor. Exception to the hearsay rule. What declaration? Mr. Mark said this in a context while admitting he was a drug dealer. Now, that's either an admission or it's a declaration against interest. In either case... That statement is so prejudicial and unreliable... I am overruling the objection. Your Honor... The objection is overruled. Sit down, Uh counsel. And he's pushed into an even worse corner. My mother wanted to die. She was in pain. She didn't want to be a burden. She made the decision to die. Mr. Burlington, you've heard the prosecution's suggestion 
that your mother may have died as a result of this television broadcast. It's not only ridiculous, it's offensive. It trivializes her and her decision, and I find this whole trial to be repugnant. By your own statement, you said your mother went back and forth on this, didn't she? Yes, but she was clear in the end. She was clear in the end, but do you make room for the possibility that after she talked to Dr. Ryan that first meeting, she became more clear? I don't know. Well, did she have any fear of being euthanized? She had concerns of pain. Her biggest was, what if it doesn't work? And she ends up comatose. So it would be fair to say that he had some influence. Your Honor, I have to object. Dr. Ryan is not on trial here. I'm establishing that Mr. Matlin's influence on the doctor resulted in the doctor influencing the patient. All right. She was more certain of what she wanted to do after talking to Dr. Ryan. Yes or no? Yes. That is an yes. odd haircut. Thank you. Bangs are tough, man. Bangs are tough. But while we're talking about bangs, let's do... That is James Lashy, and he gets a bumper because he was in Howard the Duck and Wild Wild West, and on The Next Generation, he played Ensign Kopf in the uh, the episode Brother, and on Deep Space Nine, he played Primen. Unnecessary Star Trek reference. The line must be drawn here. This far, no farther. It was necessary. Thank God for Star Trek, because other than the, other, uh, outside of that, that was a. It's tough to follow Roger Corman in the "Who's That Guy" bumpers. Well, fair enough, but he wasn't Howard the Duck. That's that's something. That was something indeed. Hey, we know who did the voice for that. No, I think we've probably talked about it. It's Chip Zion. Oh, right. The voice of Howard the Duck. Well, she. Well, she's the judge on your case. She was going to recuse herself, and, and then she thought it would have no product effect. Placement for that beer. Uh, the beer product placement is distracting you from, you know what? Roll the Lucy bumper, but we're going to change the name. Oh, okay. Good, good, good. I think that is, I think that's appropriate. Let me get it. I got to find it. Got to find it. Where is it? There it is. Parishioners, it is time to contemplate the answer to one of God's greatest mysteries. What the hell is Lucy So there's a turtleneck, and then there's a cow neck, and I believe Bobby's wearing sort of a fusion of turtleneck cow neck. It is a substantial collar. It is like a cowl. It's as if you wanted to paint a picture of like the most douchebag, artsy fartsy theater director. Right, right. Uh, who also was very cold. Yes. No, and I, I say this as somebody who rocked a mock turtleneck for most of these 90s. Uh, it's it's really intense. But this is one of our first actual We're a Couple scenes with Bobby and Lindsay. That's right, and he's not in a suit, so. And they're drinking that beer, which well, I guess we I won't say on there. What exactly to did further you say? Product placement. Listen, it's okay. not important. I just want to know exactly get, get their what money's worth. Oh, there's another one. There's, the only thing lit in this scene is the beer on the foreground. Kind of <laughs> erotic dream about me and then I don't know she couldn't stop thinking about me and she's still on this is Bobby case a French Lindsay, mind? does this just happen <laughs> women come up to you and tell you that you're in their dreams I've decided to quit you being a lawyer to become down. a mime 
She didn't have to tell me. I mean, she wasn't admitting any bias. Bobby, how can this woman be the judge on your case? Lindsay, I keep talking to you as a colleague, and you keep coming back at me as a girlfriend. Well, I, I've got problems oh, as a colleague sorry, and a girlfriend. Just forget it about her, right? Just forget about it. Shut up! I'm trying to do a closing. Go scream somewhere else. Oh, What's wrong with you? Shit. Fair. Is she okay? No. Her personal life is dictating her legal strategy again. What do you think Dylan said when when Costumes brought him that? Uh, <laughs> the news, the press, they, they say I'm nuts. I'm ashamed to of my neck. Find a, find a way to cover my it. My own boss. Looks itchy as hell. What am I missing? Oh, wasn't actually, this the a good, I got a good a story hit? about that. A hired hit. So, uh, if you're a theater nerd from 15 years ago, you'll remember the show Dance of the Vampires which is a like famous Broadway flop. It was all based on Jim Steinman's music and it was jaw dropping. And I went to go see it at based on the times review. Cause it was like the worst thing that had ever come through in a long time. Anyway, uh, it wasn't an, a comeback attempt for Michael Crawford who played the fan, the original phantom in phantom of the opera. And he was a big star who came in and, joined this show and apparently was like a big problem. And he dictated everything. He cut everybody else's jokes. So he's the only quote unquote funny one. He did it, but he designed his own costume to have a giant cowl on at all time to hide his jowls. And it was not the most ridiculous thing that happened on that show. Anyway. So, speaking of costumes and jowls Helen, and you don't really believe the defendant wanted somebody to get killed, What he? did he think he would do, Lindsay? He, he was reckless. He, he knew this wacko doctor would do anything to get on the news. So maybe they were stupid or negligent. But an accessory to I'm murder? I'm going to run into them tomorrow don't know and then freak out and Lindsay, Not the news producers, <laughs> not the doctors. They don't realize. Maybe if some DA had the guts to go after one of these doctors, then maybe... Uh, maybe what? The doctor who upped your grandmother's morphine drip? Yeah, sorry, this is, te- we're just, we're just, the, we're all so far off the rails anyway. <clears throat> I, um, let me, let me say this carefully. So, uh, a, co- a, a colleague of my wife who may or may not be on one of our bumpers, uh, <laughs> her, her mother passed away and we were, we oh. attended the Shiva and there were many, Broadway stars slash legends there. Sure. And it was an evening of that because I had so many great jokes and so many funny wittyisms that I just decided to swallow. Oh, the first appearance of Jillian on the podcast. There she is. There she is. So we're... Anyway, we're, we're enjoying the snow. Anyway, as <laughs> you know, please keep, uh, keep telling the story about the funeral. Yeah, well, there's a lot of <laughs> a lot of censoring, a lot of censoring all throughout. When you're me, yes. if you even remotely have to censor yourself, you might as well just not say anything all night. Oh, absolutely, you should not. Anyway, oh yeah, what are we doing? Watching the practice. Yeah. What if you just name dropped as bad as I usually do? I didn't say any names. Yeah, you implied. That was an implied name drop. Well, I'll tell you who was there. It was crazy who was there. Especially when they're sick. Not crazy. And when they hurt. And when a doctor says, hey, it's okay to die. Helen, at 
some point you have to let go of this. She looked at me. She said, it's right. It's time to leave. But there was something in her eyes. Something said, tell me otherwise. You were a teenager. Your mother, your father, your aunts and uncles, there were a lot of people she talked to. But I'm the only one who really knew. She didn't want to be a burden. She thought it was her duty to die. And it, these doctors, they make it okay to die. This score is weird, too. And then... It is, but this is the much Old better case against begin to if you're going to make it. The Eskimo walk off into the woods and die case? Whether that's true or not. The Inuit, yes. yes. That isn't this case. You can't say Eskimo? Ah. No. You've got to go in there tomorrow and do a closing on this case. It isn't about your grandmother and it isn't he about that doctor. Helen, you're prosecuting a news magazine for murder. Political correctness! Good morning, everyone. Did you get that? <laughs> Thanks, neighbors. It's a good scene. I mean, we we'd done that one before. I never offered to hide his drugs for him. But I think that's just a flat if out. If there's an argument against Mr. Harbin, the question on everybody's minds. For it. I think that's a good. Why point. did you start shooting that night? First, I didn't know they were police officers. I just heard noise. As soon as the door came open, I saw a gun. I grabbed for mine and opened fire. Living next door to Marks. I did know how he made his this money. Is Floyd Van Busker. I knew the kind of people that came calling over there and made me nervous. I have a family, and when I heard yelling and doors being kicked down, I thought, oh God, what's happening? And as I said, as soon as I saw the gun, I just... Better them than me. You have a permit for the gun? No. I would never be able to get one to carry. And in that neighborhood... I wanted to carry. And when you saw the police uniforms, what? You thought they looked fake? I started shooting before I saw uniforms. I was afraid. You ever have occasion to shoot somebody else before, Mr. Harbin? Objection. Did you shoot at a man walking his dog? Objection. Pattern. Prior badass. Pattern. Counsel. Approach. This guy doesn't look Two like a guy ago, who'd be shooting through the door. He claimed he thought was a prowler. Oh, come on. That's completely inadmissible. This man shoots first, claims fear later. I'm not going to allow it, counsel. Your Honor, I'd ask that you declare a mistrial. There's no point. You're in not that. going to get that. The jury heard that. And I will give them an instruction, but we're not calling any mistrial. It's a legitimate cause for a mistrial, Your Honor. Bobby's giving her an out. I've made my ruling. Wow. Good, good work. Timothy McVeigh made there, the covers right? of Time and Newsweek seven times. Jeffrey Dahmer, that serial killer that ate his victims, he made it too. Did they commit their crimes for fame? Well, I seriously doubt it. But there are a lot of sick people out there looking to be noticed, hoping to matter. Well, what about that guy that says to himself, Timothy McVeigh got famous, so can I. Should we hold Time and Newsweek liable for his crimes? The gang member in L.A., he's sure to be in front of the television at 11 o'clock to see Make if close. he made the news. Everybody wants oh, their wait. 15. Oh, God, what was I doing? It's closing time. 
Our own Roger Corman. Liable for his crimes? Nope. The gang member in L.A. He's sure to be in front of the television at That's 11 o'clock at to see if he made the news. Everybody wants That's their a, 15 uh, minutes being on TV. It's almost as good Dennis as a reward. Art Should we start holding Robertson. the news companies liable for the gang member's crime? And I suppose we could. The whole point with terrorism is to make a statement. Without the news, there's no effect. Surely, I'm an asshole. If we no, actually, I'm the coverage of here, terrorist so. attacks, terrorism I would mean, go down. It's definitely not John. Well, Roger Corbett. why don't we then? And why stop there? We could kill all the stories that lead to copycat crimes. The Pentagon. I'm sure that they would jump at the chance to squash certain reports in the interest of national security. You want to go down that road? Because you can. We can start legislating the news business like any other. We do that all the time now. Decide what you should hear and what you shouldn't. You want to go down that road? Clearly, the prosecution does. This was written before does. 9-11. Murmur, 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 murmur. Peas and carrots, peas and carrots, peas and carrots. If a network news executive said to a terrorist, get one on tape and we'll lead with it, we would absolutely prosecute the executive, trust me. Dr. Ryan left John Matlin's office with a message. Videotape one, you get your profile. That's encouragement. By their own admission, they knew this doctor was on a quest to promote euthanasia. This doctor's a zealot. Willing to be arrested, willing to spend his entire life in jail, anything for the cause. And what do they do? They hold out a carrot for him to commit the crime again. Incentive equals encouragement. Would Dr. Ryan have killed her anyway? Maybe. Maybe not. It That's doesn't what matter. They should be talking As about. the judge will instruct you, we don't have to prove, but for the defendant's actions, there would have been no crime. All we have to show is that it was possible that this encouragement could have been effective. And of course it could okay. have. And this doctor certainly got what he wanted, didn't he? Mary Burlington is dead, and Dr. Ryan got on for sweeps. And I, I got could have bangs. used that information earlier. <clears throat> freedom yes, of the press is not absolute, ladies and gentlemen. And freedom of speech doesn't give you the right to facilitate a murder. And believe it or not... Winning your time slot doesn't get you off. We all sit back and say, look what journalism has become. You have two choices. Go back to that room and continue to sit back. Or don't. I mean, maybe it was sleazy on their part. I don't buy Aggravated that. Aggravated assault? There's no way we can't jump at it. Yeah. Those were police officers. But, but I okay. panicked. Robert, I, you shot a detective. Add to that the statement that you hide the guy's stash. I never thought it's in evidence. And the jury heard about you shooting the dog walker. Listen. I've been doing this a long time. 
We should take the aggravated assault. Doesn't Bobby have an obligation, though? We always talk about how they have this obligation to do what's right for the client, go as far as they can for the client. If he knows the judge might even potentially be impartial or not be impartial, he has he owes it to his client he does. to, no, to I, declare the mistrial. Or no, to, I totally agree. I, I totally agree with you. I, I, like, I think here he's clearly letting his client go to jail as opposed to out this judge. I mean, he's, it's a selfish move on the his part. The only reason it's being offered is because the DA is convinced she'll never beat us. But she's wrong. I mean, in she'll terms of this. for the crime, I think it's a good outcome for the defendant. Are you sure? But in the particulars Positive. of this case, he gets another swing at the bat as opposed to giving up. Okay. Bobby's eyes tell us that he knows. No. Should I? I don't think. None of her rulings were clearly an error. But they all went against you. Not all. She shut down the dog walker. That was some bad acting. Yeah, but like you say, the jury heard it. And she wouldn't give you the mistrial. Pretending that he hadn't thought of that. Mistrial at this point, the trial. So you've got nothing concrete that she's doing anything wrong, aside from hitting on you. Right. But you can't be sure. Right. This is what you get by not getting her recused. When I don't want to embarrass her. She's a good judge. It doesn't mean a male judge would admit that. Okay. Lover's back. Sorta. How's it going? There's a verdict. Jury's back in ten. Well, at least they're not like. You said you teach him. I know, but it's just what he's loving it. That's the problem, Eugene. He's liking it a little too much. What are you talking about? Kind of got excited. Oh, what do you mean, snap! He grabbed my butt a little. He's barely eleven. Well, he's a man. It was oh, such okay. a cute thing. It was so cute. It was a great little character beat. Doesn't have to be anything more than that. It doesn't have to be anything more than that. Or, or. You take this opportunity to have a to have Eugene give him a, a, you know, a very useful and important talk about consent when someone is young and and have that really, in, you know, like serious man to man talk and and teach a valuable lesson. Something think tells that's going to happen. Yeah, that's <laughs> the hardest uh, pun intended of nose. Yeah. Ugh. That's it. Bye. Bye, storyline. <laughs> I heard you're entering a play. Did I have a choice? Oh, Bobby's playing hardball. The statement from the neighbor was hearsay. It shouldn't have come in. Nor should the prior bad act. You made those objections. They're on the record, which means you can appeal them. A little tough after we plea. Don't enter one, then. Problem is, you know my rulings will hold up on appeal. I know they might. They're close. You could have gone either way. And what? You expected me to go your way because I like your glutes? I didn't expect you to retaliate for my not liking yours. 
I can take rejection as a woman, Bobby, but I don't much care for being criticized as a judge. You erred as a judge by asking me out. Which I freely admit, but my rulings were legally accurate and completely independent of any personal feelings. I can never know that, can I? Bobby's right. Yeah, so right. Make your appeal, then. I never will know. That's a criticism. Judge. He's totally right. That if she just kept her sex dream to herself like all the rest of us... Like all the rest of us! Not usually me. I usually tell everybody instantly. Oh great! Yeah. At, at work, in fact. Do do you uh, do you tell them a lot of details and use words that start with V that Only make them very a v. uncomfortable? Yeah. Unfortunately, the the word is usually venereal, and and <laughs> it's a warning. Has the jury reached the verdict? <laughs> we have. Will the defendant please stand? What say you? In the matter of Commonwealth versus John Matlin, on the count of aiding and abetting a homicide, we find the defendant, John Matlin, guilty. Shit. That I find crazy. But you know what else? During that scene, during the build-up, this is like a director thing. While we were waiting for the verdict they zoomed in like each shot they would cut and then they'd zoom in they'd cut and then they'd zoom in but those zooms were not optical they were digital meaning instead of on the, using the lens of the camera to zoom in or move the camera closer to the person i think the director thought the scene wasn't exciting enough so they digitally zoomed in which is already a bad thing to do because every time you you're basically blowing it up and you're losing resolution but this isn't standard definition to begin with so all of a sudden like the the images get bad as you're zooming in there it was a weird choice order sorry that was nerdy order your honor your honor the defense asks that the judge set this verdict aside Denied. Bailiff, take the defendant into custody. The jury is dismissed with the thanks of the court. We're adjourned. What is David saying with that? What a muddy, that's a a very muddy story. Well, I think it's a muddy issue, although I think it's less muddy now than it was before, but it certainly was then. I can't believe, it strains credulity that... At least in Boston. They were in Alabama, I believe it. Ooh, the internet agrees, Keith. Ooh, the internet's so pissed. It's just buffering its ass into oblivion. Oh, buffering. Oh. We're so close. Oh, God, we're so close to the end. Come on, man. And we need this. Come on, you can do it, Hulu. You can do it. Don't make me have to edit this. Oh, God, don't make don't make him edit. Come on. Now that we're mastering stuff, and Here it's we so go. good now. All right. Ooh, sexy sax? Sexy sax. Well, they think about two weeks for the voucher. Oh, and it's the judge. She's alone no. in her office. Yes. Thinking of Bobby. Well, it's pretty straight ahead, but there's a lot on forensics, so who knows? Looking at pictures of Bobby and Lindsay together. A blown up black and white yeah. photograph of Bobby and Lindsay? No, that would be all right. Far away? Crossing out Lindsay's counter. eyes? Like she's a de- Now she's a psycho? Really? No. Oh, 
beat change. I think so. Okay. Wait, yeah. what is happening? She crossed out Lindsay's face on a. Whoa! Whoa! That's Bobby hanging a guy out the window. Crazy. That's crazy. Wait, they took that. It was such a nuanced thing, and then they were like, "You know I, what? We gotta go let, full psycho. Let's go full soap opera on that." That un. That is so David E. Kell, baby. Wow. Wow. He's is back, right. baby. Wow, that is a tonal shift, kids. Wow. All right. I guess that storyline's not over. I. <laughs> it'd be awkward if it were. Wow. <laughs> wow, that is a... Holy I, shit, I, that I, blew my mind. Yeah, it's... What on earth? What's he going to do with this? Good I question. don't know if I loved it or hated it. Well, yeah. I mean, I think I I think I'm both. Yeah, I think both is good. All right. Well, I let's mean, uh let's jump into Hold on, I'm going to Ladies and gentlemen, the Out of Practice podcast in unofficial, unsolicited, unfactual association with David E. Kelly Productions proudly present Oopsie. The Oopsies. Celebrating excellence in acting good. Lawyering good, guesting good, and being Tom Brady. Not to mention, this is where we rate the episode and stuff. Now, here are your hosts, Keith and Mike. What the oh. hell are the oopsies? Oh, I did it again. Well, let me answer that for you. The oopsies are where we award excellence in various categories for the episode, starting with... Oh, torn i was riding the bobby train all episode because i felt that <laughs> you weren't the only one yeah that's true <laughs> i felt that in very 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 tricky circumstances he was navigating and and, and getting a decent outcome for his client however that starts to change because he, he sold his client out not to embarrass the psycho judge yes and in doing so sort of perpetuated what apparently is going to be some sort of like, I don't know, murder or, or some sort of stalking situation that's going to take place. So he sort of screwed up his client and himself and probably his girlfriend. So I think I have to remove my vote for him on the flip, though. I don't agree with her premise. Uh, not only did Helen win the case this week, she also sets a pretty in this, at least in this reality she sets a pretty intense precedent yeah uh, legally for the press's culpability yeah so I, it's hard not to vote for helen gamble here yeah no i think you're entirely right because it's and, and we, as we've said before i say this like this is a real award and we're <laughs> like, I, I just like went in the premise of like well this is really important we had to think hard long and hard about the rules of this true award in order to have integrity 30 seconds before we give a fake award to tom brady for no reason <laughs> yeah, you're totally right uh, talk about in our fantasy world yep. in the fantasy world in which this matters uh 
we have stipulated <laughs> that you don't have to agree with what the lawyer is doing, merely that the lawyer is doing a good job at what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So I agree with you that uh, I, 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 I am on the opposite side of where Helen is on the case and on the you know the bigger idea of assisted uh, suicide. Um, but she she won a losing case, and in so in so doing that, not just setting the precedent, she also very 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 well may have sealed her case against the doctor coming up oh which for was sure. which was her plot from the beginning yeah she got a two for one here i think so uh yeah i mean that's and that's a big that's a big old thing so uh congratulations helen though i don't agree with what you did you did it really really well your grandma will be quite proud or pissed off because she needed help dying oh yeah Hmm. (laughs) yeah right anyway it's now time to talk about already famous cause you've been on TV getting a paycheck first entry on your IMDB way to go but you're the best guest actor you are the best guest actor you are the best guest actor on the episode Let's not belabor the point. I think Holland no. Taylor just ran circles around everybody here, so I think she wins the oopsie. Yeah, she kind of did. Like I, it's as a it's happened with a couple of the guest stars. Like I'm just mad she's not a regular on the show. Yeah, because she's so good. And honestly, like that last beat, as fucking insane as it is, her performance of it takes it out of the soap opera world. She so underplays it. Because like a, a worse actress would be nah, 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 and Not only that, not only that last scene, I mean, you get the script before you shoot the show. So, right, so she, she had the knowledge of where it was going from the beginning and we didn't get even a taste of it. In fact, yeah. she even played the I might recuse myself slash decide I'm going to decide to stay. Clearly, this psycho had no intention of ever recusing herself. Right. Well, and and so it says not only is the actress great, a great actress, but the character is a good actress as well. And where we saw Bobby being a bad actor as the character. Right. It's uh, shades of what's the character of. Well, I guess the character and the actor, uh, Larroquette played. What was his name? Uh, Oh, Joey Harris. Joey Harris. John Larroquette. Very similar. You know, like not only being a great actor, but playing a character who's a great actor. Yeah. And, yeah. and obviously in a much less scene chewy, but yes, equally good. All right, so congratulations, Holland Taylor, on your best guest actor. Oopsie. Did Anna Which Gunn thing? say anything in the episode? Very little. It was an underused, amazing Anna Gunn, but we didn't know she was Anna Gunn yet. So it was, it was Danza esque it in its was. underused ability. <laughs> True. All right, it's time to pick. You killed your podiatrist or blew the case But you let a single tear run down your face You're the best actor on the show You know, much like last week, but a little more nuanced, I think that Dylan was given a Herculean task to play a lot of nuance and a lot of sticky situations and great scenes with the judge and great scenes in the courtroom. There was a, a couple of scenes that are hard to enumerate on, on a podcast because it was just a look like I think his, some of his best work was in that 
one sidebar with the judge after she decided not to recuse herself. Mm -hmm. And just a whole scene was played with just looks. Shooting a lot of subtext out of his eyes. And, you know, it's we te- I tease Dylan slash Bobby all the time about just being dreamy. But, you know, that can work against you a lot of times. Sometimes the handsome can kind of can blur the, the work you're doing. Yeah, yeah. Sure. And he's consistently able to rise above that or get past it. And I think today today was a good ep- today's a good example of that. So I'm going to put my vote out for uh, Dylan McDermott as Bobby Donnell. Yeah, and I think that's I think he does do a good job. Um, for me, I think it's Lara Flynn Boyle's episode. Um, I I thought she overdid it a bit in the cross examination, but I think that was the writing and the directing sort of forcing her to overdo it. But I thought the scene that she had with Lindsay, where she talked about her real reasons, I thought was was very well played. And uh, so we're gonna split, splitty. So can. Congratulations, Lara Flynn Boyle and Dylan McDermott for your Best Actor Awards, which are real and serious and have serious rules that people care about. Next up, the Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. There's a storm brewing in Tom Brady's life. Mm, lots he of... cleared out his locker. It's, it's sad. It's a tough time. He's fallen off. He's fallen out of grace with the Out of Practice podcast. He's fallen out of grace with the New England. He was Patriots. never in grace with me. Mm, Keith getting heated, but <laughs> none of his personal and po- and professional drama uh, changes the fact that he is indeed Tom Brady. And so my vote this week for the Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady goes to Tom Brady. Yeah, but when in the you, Instagram uh, post, Keith, I don't think he yes. should be in uniform. Okay, fair enough. I've I've been posting a lot of pictures of him, like having been sacked, sitting on the ground. Mm-hmm. Sadly, all right. I, I I will take him out of uniform and post it on the internet. Congratulations, Tom. <laughs> all right. There's only one last thing to do. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to announce how many spare tires this episode gets. Why don't you go first? Well, look, the noise you just made perfectly exemplifies what I feel about this episode, too. Because there are pieces of it that are so good. There are pieces of it that are really strange. There are some dropped threads and missed opportunities and things that are odd. The recycling of that storyline of the dream thing. Obviously we're going in a different direction with it, but there couldn't have been any other way to have her, you know, get the hots for Bobby, which I think that's an interesting story. I totally get Mm -hmm. it. Makes perfect sense, but it has to be a dream again. And it has to be set up in exactly the same way as before. And I didn't like it the first time. And I don't think I like it this time either. The twist at the end is out of a different show for sure. I mean, at least it wasn't in this episode. So that's why I think it felt so jarring. Um, but I, I think I have to reserve judgment on that until we get further into that storyline. What's going to happen with that? Uh, 
So uh, to to give an answer, I'm. I think if we didn't get the performance out of Holland Taylor, we would we got. I would have given it a six point five. But I think Holland Taylor's performance gives it an extra half a tire. So I'm going to give it a, a a loose seven because I want to know where this goes. You know, it's become a hallmark of the show to basically have... It seems like it tries to self-sabotage itself. Like it has a great idea and it has decent execution with excellent actors. And then there's something that like takes the piss out of it. Like a great example is the Lucy beat with Eugene's son. Cute character beat. Didn't need to be anything more than it was. It turns into this weird, maybe I guess a joke since there's no follow through with it. Like you said, it could have been opportunity, but they turn it into something weird and jokey that isn't quite funny and is maybe a little uncomfortable. And and it makes it, it takes something really cute and makes it really cringy. And because like, you know, he grabbed her ass. Like that's, you know, that's borderline assault. I mean, you know, it's, it's murky there. So you gotta, you, you can tell that story and get into it and, and deal with it, but you can't just toss it off as a, as a joke or a boys will be boys or what. Yeah. But they do that. I mean, Lynn, uh, I know Helen grabbing his dick wasn't a big deal. Right. And, Lucy dressing like a slut isn't a big deal and then calling her a slut and her saying it's to, it like it's it goes back and forth right yeah well it's it's where it really does show its age so and, and it, it is a recurring weakness on the show so I would probably also give it six stars I think is where I sit however as I've said before for I enjoy the batshit crazy Batshit yes. crazy, I like. Let's you, you'll rec, you, you'll remember, listeners, that the, Bobby McRambo, Bobby McRambo, sour Keith was sour on, and I thought was fucking great. So <laughs> her turning into like a psycho Joker killer at the end, uh, like crossing out her eyes as only serial killers do. Only serial killers do that. Have you ever crossed out the eyes of someone on a photo, Keith, that you were mad with? No, uh, no is the answer to that question. <laughs> no, I have not. Although in middle school, I think you know those like those little paper snap thingies. Yes, like the like you throw on the ground in the at the fair mm-hmm. back when we just thought that was funny. I definitely did that in my middle school yearbook to a couple of people. Oh, interesting. But but they deserved it. So the batshit twist at the end, I'm going to actually add a half a star for. Okay. So that brings me to a six point five. Okay. So. Strangely, it averages out to be a roughly average episode, although it was nothing. It was not average. It was just averages to an average. Oh, we're in the minority here. As we give it a 6.75, it appears IMDb has given it a 7.4. So interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess. uh, I mean, we are connoisseurs, of course. we, We are. We are indeed. Okay. Well, that's it, guys. Congratulations, that was episode 50 of the Out of Practice podcast. We are uh, not anywhere near the halfway point of the series, but we're halfway to 100. If you would like to reach us and tell us what you thought of the show, please email us at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. Join the jury, leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, and 
we will happily read it. Welcome to the jury as Cloud Lover 69 found out this episode. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Out of Practice Podcast and check out our blog at Out of Practice Podcast blogspot.com now i have a question for you what percentage of our listeners do you think are still listening i don't know but those who do are super fans and i bet they all want to know how's your arm buddy did it turn out it was not broken uh x-rays were negative it was not broken but there's definitely something funky with the soft tissue because it still hurts are you going to go outside in the snow today and risk life and limb to play Hell yeah. In fact, I saw Jen getting her snow boots behind you, which is exactly what we're going to do. So chances are we're going to run into you in the park. Well, I'll make sure to whip out my pistol and fire you full of snowy laser sounds. I just vomited into my laser sounds. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. Mmm.